Miami's offseason is stuck on hold, but what does that mean for next season? After a run to the NBA Finals, are the Heat still title contenders? And where do they rank among the best teams in the NBA? We debate that and Bama DeBio's chances of winning some extra hardware on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor of All You Need, contributor to The Ringer, and joining me as always is the writer for Forbes and the director of Culture and Vibes for a podcast in wine country, David Ramil. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or in your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, while we wait on Damian Lillard, the rest of the NBA offseason smoke has basically cleared. There's a James Harden situation lingering over there. Dame's obviously thing going over here. Uh, but ESPN has its post-offseason power rankings that we're going to dive into in a more in-depth way in a minute. But they have the Miami Heat ranked fifth, which I found surprising considering that Miami lost some pieces, all of the uncertainty around Dame, who... ESPN had ranked below Miami and just sort of given the history of ESPN and and their view on the Miami heat. Right. I found, I just, I found it surprising that they had them fifth, but do you think that the heat should be considered contenders even without Damian Lillard, David? Yes. I think they've shown over the last four years of Jimmy Butler's career that they can carry themselves to that point. And I know you and I had this debate often during the regular season because it was such a doldrum, because it was so meandering and inconsistent and just lacked any kind of clear signs of greatness. This team was not great during the regular season, but the potential for it was there. The pieces were there, the leadership, the structure, and Jimmy Butler. And we saw this all coalesce in a way perhaps somewhat unexpectedly, but yet not completely out of the blue in last year's postseason. And that's how they were able to make their way to the NBA Finals. That being said, that's a lot to count on. You don't want to necessarily go into next season saying, I know we've done it before. I'm sure we could do it again and hope that everything breaks right in the exact same way that it did last year. A lot of dominoes had to fall into certain baskets in order for Miami to be able to go all the way to the NBA Finals. And that being the case, I, I just I'm, I don't know. I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised at ESPN's yeah. power rankings um, that they're considered that highly. It's it's some incredible level of respect for what Jimmy Butler and this Heat organization are able to do, and and maybe that's why. Like you talked about the loss of extras, you talk about the loss of Gabe Vincent, key players certainly in Miami's run, and yet Miami has shown to the, the the process of being able to reinsert players, find new players to fit into those kinds of roles, get them to maximize their level of play and contribute to a winner. As long as you have Bam playing as incredibly well as he does, as long as you have Jimmy Butler being the superstar that he's capable of being in the postseason, that might be enough. It doesn't really matter who else is playing alongside them because you'll be able to get contributions mm-hmm. almost from anybody. Yeah, I mean, the reason it wasn't out of the blue, although surprising and unexpected the run that the Miami Heat had the reason it wasn't out of the blue is because they were in the conference finals the year before and they were in the finals two years before that right right Right. it would have been out of the blue if the Indiana Pacers made it to the NBA that would have been out of the blue 
still surprising, right. still unexpected, still historic in, in what it is that they achieved, but not necessarily like the least surprising team that I guess could have that that would have done that, although it was still surprising. Um, and I think that is what's baked in here. It's and it's why we have to consider the Miami Heat contenders. And I think if you not just like and I don't mean we as in Wes Goldberg and David Ramil. I mean, we as in sort of a collective NBA media, you just can't count this team out. You just can't. And I don't, and I, I understand not having them number one. They shouldn't be number one. The Denver Nuggets are number one. They won the championship. They're number one. But, and I understand not having them two, three, four. We're going to kind of get into that a little bit more here in a second. But um, you got to have them at least in terms of if you're naming contenders, just even off the cuff, you don't even have to rank them. If you're ESPN talking head number four and you're just ranking contenders, you better make sure you're including the Miami Heat when you're talking Denver, Phoenix, uh, you know, Boston, whoever else that you want to throw into that group. You better have Miami in there. If I, I'm not a believer in general, be like, well, you got to respect what the Miami Heat have done. It doesn't matter what they have done necessarily to make them contenders for next season, right? The past doesn't make you a contender for next season. But they have shown, based on the way that they've gotten to those levels, the fact that they've been on the doorstep of a championship three out of the last four years, that – and like you said, you've still got Jimmy, you still got Bam, you still got Spo, you still got that infrastructure in place. And so, yeah, you lose a Gabe Vincent and you lose a Max Drews, not to poo-poo what it is that they contributed over the last few years, but you look at what they brought in too, not just in Josh Richardson, who, if he's just kind of your one-for-one replacement for Max Drews, Josh Richardson is a 36.5% three-point shooter on much more volume given that he's been in the league for much longer than Max Drews. Josh Richardson, 36.5% from three. Strews, 37%. Let's call that a wash. Josh Richardson, much better defender than Max Strews, although Strews tries hard on that end. Josh Richardson is just much more talented, much more versatile on there. And then in terms of just ball handling, I'd be okay if you just wanted to call it a wash. I probably think Josh might be even a little bit better than Max. We'll see how Max continues to develop in there. But let's just call that a wash for argument's sake. Uh, And then you have to also consider too, David, and I don't think this gets talked about enough, the fact that they have Kevin Love and a starting caliber power forward for an entire season. They went 24 and 20 with Kevin Love regular season and playoffs yeah. after he at, when he entered the lineup. That's not awesome, but their lineup also made a whole lot more sense. You could argue Caleb Martin had his best stats, his best play after re- getting removed from the starting lineup for the most part uh, yeah. for Kevin Love. Kevin Love was a plus 3.8 per 100 possessions in Miami. That was highest on the team. Besides Jamal Kane, who had like a crazy one because he barely played. Like, yeah. that was highest of the team out of rotation, guys. He's a good player. The lineups with Kevin Love are still kind of clunky with when it's Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler. They've got to shore some of that up and clean that up a little bit. And who knows what the rest of those lineups look like to, uh, based on if Damian Lillard trade happens or not. But you got full season of Kevin Love. You've got Josh Richardson in for Max Struess. We'll see who the point guard is, whether it's Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Damian Lillard, whoever it might be. You've got more depth in Nikola Jovic and Jaime Hakez Jr. Uh, and I would just bet on the guys who were not shooting well last year, shooting better. Maybe not like best in the NBA, best career numbers like they did two years ago when Miami was the number one seed. But if they even fall in there somewhere in the middle of worst team in the league and best team in the league. So in other words, if they're league average from three-point range, the the Josh Richardsons and the Caleb Martins and all those people, yeah. I think your your offense is just going to have a natural lift in that way too. So um, no, I when, think when you're looking ahead to next season, when you're looking ahead to next season and whether or not they're going to be contenders, are you counting on Tyler still being part of this roster? Like you, the, the question that you're posing is, how, are the without team Lillard. contenders without Dame? Right. 
Do you see Tyler being a part of this roster and still view them as contenders? Yes. If if okay. not Dame, then I do see Tyler coming back. And yeah, wow, it, really? it, well, it's awkward, but who are you going to trade him for? Like the only reason I you're trading know. Tyler now is for picks to send to Portland. I don't right. think Miami would be interested in sending Tyler Hero to another team for picks now just to uh, remove themselves from an awkward first day of training camp. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that they would do that. And if you're looking to oh, try yeah. to get another player back, like who's who's the team that's sending you a good player at the position of that you need? Because if you're trying to trade a good young guard for a different good young guard who you haven't burnt bridges with, like what team is in, what team is getting involved in that with you? It's really hard. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. Like we talked about this last week. I think it was a, a topic. I thought the the situation was irreparable. I, I you're right. I don't know how they. I don't know how they can massage the, this situation uh, and get them to be on the same page. I know Tyler's a professional and he'll he'll bounce back. And it's not like it's the first time that he's dealt with these kind of rumors right. before. But it's, it's still a lot to to carry into camp. Uh, look, I remember a couple of years ago, like when you know Jimmy Butler was still with the Minnesota Timberwolves and he was this close to being traded for Josh Richardson. And they started off media day and all camp, and and you know Jimmy wasn't traded to the Sixers until much much later than yeah. that. Um, the difference so, is Jimmy yeah. wanted Jimmy wanted out. Tyler doesn't didn't originally. Well, no, want but I'm saying Josh Richardson. Richardson was the, the name, and he he still wound up having his best season with oh, Miami that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, the the talk about going going into media day was Jimmy was this close to joining Miami, right? Yeah. And, and maybe that's it's changed a little bit in reporting since then, but it was virtually being traded to Miami, and then they start with the season media yep. day again. And it's kind of like this cloud hanging over the the whole affair because, yes, you know, media days are like these joyous affairs. Everybody's got a chance of winning a title. We're all going to be all stars. We're all going to be millionaires, etc. And yet, kind of not because you know you've got Josh Richardson, who's a great. Well, this guy, is the reason why Pat Riley went out on a limb to talk about how Tyler Hero is an anchor for the franchise and all of these things, knowing that if you weren't able to trade for trade him, and that you were going to probably try to trade publicly. him for Dame. That, yeah. yeah, you say Bubba is like, hey, look, we still view in this way. And if you're the Heat, look, yeah, it's. I'm not telling you it's not going to be awkward, and I'm not saying that you don't have a point here, but if you're the Heat, you can always just lean back on, we try to trade you for Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant. We haven't tried to tra- – we have never offered you for anybody else other than a couple of guys who are one of the, the – two of the top 75 players to ever be in this league. So that would be their kind of stance there. And then you'd be like, and listen to what Pat said. You're still a franchise, uh, you know, cornerstone here. So – Whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's dive into this a little bit more, especially in compared to the other teams in ESPN's top contender rankings here in a second. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball over at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. If you just bet 20 bucks. You'll land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure, and really, really easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And so if you sign up today, make sure to visit FanDuel.com slash locked on enter that promo code locked on to get up to two hundred dollars in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel the official partner of major league baseball
Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. All right, let's just jump into ESPN's top five here. They've got Denver number one. Like I said, undeserving, undeserving. Denver I think it's undeserving. Are you I serious? Yeah, without Jeff Green and Bruce Brown, I don't think they're still contenders. Like they, they Jeff Green, I, I, come I, on. No, what? Are you serious? Like you really think they're the best team in the Western Conference next year? They're the best team in the NBA next year. Huh. Did you forget they still have Nikola Jokic? Jamal Murray? He's, Aaron Gordon? He's, he's getting fat celebrating his horse racing. <laughs> Jokic is he's, the undisputed best player in the NBA. He's done. He's toast. I can't tell if you're serious or not because you made a serious statement in Denver not being contenders because they lost Jeff Green. Jeff Green <laughs> and now you're telling me that Jokic – and now you're being about Jokic. Bruce Brown is a big loss, but they've got Christian Brown coming in that they re- that they're really high on. They got another rookie from last year. That all right? I can't tell if you're serious or not. All right, they've got I, Denver I don't, I don't number one. I'm serious or not? I guess it's, Who would you I'm have in the number one spot? Uh, Milwaukee. Okay, fine. So they've got Denver number one and and Milwaukee number two. You could split the hairs if you want. Uh, they've got Boston number three, Phoenix number four, Miami number five. Then they have Philadelphia number six. And they've got that whole James Harden thing to sort out. They've got the Lakers number seven, the Warriors number eight, the Cavs are number nine, and Memphis is number 10. So again, Mm. when you look at where Miami is, are you surprised by where ESPN is ranking them, considering who they're below, who they're in front of? Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think it's, it's an incredible sign of respect that this organization has not shown Miami in the years past. Like, even when Miami was the number one seed and we were able to accomplish everything they did a couple of seasons ago, the next year they're like, uh, they're kind of still an okay, mediocre team. Who knows what's going to happen, et cetera. The loss of P.J. Tucker, et cetera. Uh, and, and so I am very, very surprised. And I think, you know, the, the big argument against Miami is they lost Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Yeah. And so that matters. The, the fact that they've lost two starters, I don't think it matters as much as national pundits are saying it does. But I, I think on the surface, well, that's the thing. Miami, yeah, Miami's a weaker team than they were when they made it to the finals just a few months ago. And the and national pundits here are their whole blurb here is that they lost Max and Gabe, but and that they're still trying to trade for Damian Lillard, but they still haven't ranked fifth. So I, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, so I'm agreeing with like everybody said they look. They lost them. They're just making a point of fact, and that their backcourt right now is unsettled. It's just an unsettled backcourt. I think. Given their current state, I get it. But it is, like you said, a lot of respect. Basically saying, hey, we don't really know how this is going to work out in terms of your backcourt, but we trust that you guys will figure it out because you're the Miami Heat and you just tend to figure that out. You tend to figure those kinds of things out. Uh, Who are you most surprised that they have the Heat ranked over? The Lakers? Yeah, that's the easy one, right? I'm surprised they didn't have the Lakers number one. (laughs) I mean... Uh, yeah, I think that's the clear one there because you still got. I, I guess they're they're probably projecting uh, a, a little bit of a drop off for LeBron. Like we've already seen mm. the beginnings of a drop off for him, and that still makes him a top ten ish player. But that's like the first time in a long time that we've been able to say oh, LeBron clearly isn't a top five player in the league anymore. That was last year, and he was still damn good. Like there were still moments sure. of incredible greatness there. And I should He's mention awesome in the playoffs. Uh, I should. I mean, just as a personal aside, like uh, what he he's going through right now with his son and experiencing a cardiac arrest. Yes. I, I don't even know. Like, I, I honestly, I heard that, and and like, aside from you know, again, he was already in stable condition, and everything else like that. 
I, I would be surprised if he doesn't more strongly consider retirement at this point because like mm. that kind of a scare, like that shuffles your priorities. He's already accomplished so much on a personal level. Um, but anyway, that's a, a whole other conversation for a different time. Uh, Something from that health from Anthony Davis is very much in question year to year. Uh, but they had a gr- I really did like their offseason. I'm not like I know that they keep ga- like every national opponent gasses up the Lakers won the offseason kind of thing. I actually kind of think they did. I don't really I don't find that as an inaccurate statement. I love their offseason. I think getting Gabe, bringing in Austin Reeves on the on the contract that they got him, sure, just bringing whatever. back the guys that they had to bring back. I thought it was a good offseason for them. I I am a little surprised that they had Miami ranked over them. I I am. Um, let's go to, uh, I'm not, I, I thought they had Memphis a little low. I think the John Morant thing is obviously the cloud there, but I, I, when the Grizzlies are healthy and good, they are really, really good. And let's also not forget that they basically lost their whole front court outside of Jaron Jackson Jr. In the playoffs last year, which kind of torpedoed their season in, in addition to sort of the, the John Morant and Dylan Brooks stuff that was going on, on and off the court. Um, Philadelphia at number six, I get it. To me, I looked at these ESPN rankings and I said, this is basically as low as you could possibly have the heat. If you were going to show them respect and if you were going to look at these other teams and say, who else could we really put over them? Again, if you wanted to be bold, I could see you putting the Lakers at five and the heat at six. And you know what? I wouldn't have really cared. It's I wouldn't have really cared if they had went that direction. But this is about as low as you could have been putting the heat and still showing them respect. In terms of our kind of tiers, David, where do you kind of I don't I don't even know. Are you interested in doing like a top five, one through five or like maybe I have mine kind of I've been giving this some thought. I have mine broken into tiers in the West and the East, just like in terms okay. of like top contenders and then just sort of every tier below that. I think there's I think there's only one or two teams in the top tier. I guess you can consider Milwaukee and Denver there. Uh, no, I've, I've got, got broken out West and East. Oh, so I'm so, so I haven't okay. even like done that. But if you're going to so I've got. Um, yeah, so I guess we sort of agree. You said Denver and Milwaukee is sort of a top tier. Yeah. I would throw Boston in there. And nah, screw Boston. I, they're done. I I think you're probably right, but I have a hard time not putting I know that Boston feels like they've been disappointing every year, but they were in the they went to game seven of the conference finals and they were in the finals two years ago. So it's like kind of weird not to put them in that top tier. Uh, I see Miami should have just swept them. I think it's unbelievable now. <laughs> They should have just swept them and broken that team apart. But I still think I they think the loss did already. Is smart. Yeah, yeah, I think the loss of smart is going to impact them a lot more because that team is too fragile psychologically. And I know that may, may not matter, and there's no way of really quantifying it. But I really do think that there is. Some I think that's going to help them. I think losing smart is going to help them in that regard. I think it's the sort of thing that forces. <sighs> I think it forces Tatum and Jalen Brown to take on more of a leadership role, where that was always sort of like. Marcus Smart's job and just leave that right. kind of stuff to that corner of the locker room where now, and, and you know, it's the heart of so like Marcus Smart is like, well, they lost the heart and the soul of the team. Well, the heart and soul of the team was mentally weak and fragile. So maybe you don't want that heart and soul of the team anymore. And you kind of try to find a new heart and soul of the team. And I think Wait, I, are you I, saying I, Smart was go, mentally weak or fragile. I'm just saying if he was the heart and soul of the team and the heart and soul of the team was mentally weak and fragile, oh, then, what, what, you're saying. then okay. what good is your heart and soul of the team? You got to kind of revamp the heart and soul of the team. And yeah. it could go either way. It could go either really way, but it is a challenge to Tatum and Brown to take on more of sort of a leadership role in that locker room. We don't have to do the whole Boston thing, but I've got Miami a tier below Milwaukee and Boston in the East by themselves. Oh, no, that's not true. I'm sorry. I school good that line out. I got Milwaukee, Boston, Miami as a tier unto themselves in the East. I'm sorry. 
But you're oh, saying Miami that you would kind of have Boston and Miami in one tier and Milwaukee in the very top tier. Yeah. That's where you would I, have I, it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I'm, they've got championship medal, like, and they've proven that. And, and I don't think Boston has it. Yeah. They made it to the finals. I still, I just don't think that they have that, that extra edge. Um, Derek White's different. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, like they, they've still got questions there. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Milwaukee, you know, they're a good group. They're just, a, they, they re-signed their guys. They're bringing it back. And now I do question about the, the age. Of, yeah, the age, the, the coaching situation. Like, may criticize boot and holes as you want. But, I mean, adjusting to something else, does it bring new life? Or does it make you question, oh, what the hell's going on here? Like, is this they the, really the guy to lead us? And they did win a lot of games with Bud. Like they did. And in a yeah. also should be mentioned. So I've kind of yeah. got Milwaukee, Boston, and Miami in a tier by themselves at the top. Of the I'm not really sure where to put it. You could just rank them one through three in any order. I wouldn't really care. Uh, I got Philadelphia in a tier by themselves, sort of like in limbo. Assuming they trade both. Harden or keep Harden. Either way. I'm not even sure it really matters all that much. Am I on mm-hmm. like an island? I, I think they'll be okay if they trade James I, Harden. And I think they'll be okay right. if they keep James Harden. I don't. But I don't, I don't believe in them in terms of a top level contender. Uh, but I have them. I believe in them more than like Cleveland and New York, who I would not consider. What is, I would still have Philadelphia on the fringe of contender because they still have one of the best five or six guys in the NBA and Joel Embiid, and they're deep. And I don't. What if they? Yeah. What if they trade PJ Tucker along with James Harden? It. I mean, for what? Uh, I just, yeah. I, I mean, PJ Tucker. Whatever is the not, Clippers rumored. PJ Tucker isn't right? changing my mind about Philadelphia. Wow, the disrespect to Heat life for PJ Tucker. Wow, for one season here. Uh, I'm going to quickly do my my West tiers. Not that anybody cares. I've got Denver in a tier by themselves at number one. Phoenix in a tier by themselves at number two. And then I've got uh, three others: the Lakers, the Grizzlies, and the Warriors. And some sort of amalgamous tier, third tier. You can put can those the Warriors in bounce back? I'm not going to count them out. They got Steph, man, I, and and Steve Kerr and Fair Draymond, right. and it's I'm not going to count them out. I'm just I got them All there. Right. All right. All right. Um, let's move it on. Why Bam Adebayo is being no. overlooked to win defensive player of the year next season. We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. All right. Defensive player of the year. Uh, a little lounge lizardy here. All right. Out, yeah, man. It's like some summer vibes here in Miami. Is that what is that what the vibe is? I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm thinking more like really, really, really old '70s lounge lizard kind of thing. Like, hey, what's your side, baby? You know that kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> we can replace cool. this one. No, no, I like it. I really oh, you're good. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. Give me a um, bar and a lounge lizard anytime. <laughs> I really don't know what a lounge lizard is, but. I'm going to keep Wow. Are you serious? You got to look this up. Come on, man. These, these, these things can't fall out of the, the cultural, you know, zeitgeist. I'm not zeitgeist. Well, zeitgeist, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the dictionary, the, uh, the lexicon. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. lexicon. The cultural lexicon. Yeah. Lounge lizard. Come on, man. All right. Our anyway. lounge, li- our David heads might know what the lounge lizards are. Um, no, they don't all skew older. They don't all skew older. <laughs> there might be a little bit of a, uh, like a Venn diagram thing happening here, but we'll see. No, we, we see that. I, we, we, there, there's one guy who I think posted something. He's like, Oh, I'm older. No knock. But you know, you, you're thinking he was a West head too. So seriously. I don't he know. said he sometimes is a West head, but is mostly a David head. I think is, is oh, okay. what happened. And then somebody else said they wore their West head t-shirt to school and then got shoved into a locker. locker. Yeah. I, so 
I I didn't even know you were printing out T-shirts. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> hey man, you got okay, like, the West Heads. Hey, the West Heads get what the West Heads want. <laughs> David Heads weren't asking for T-shirts. They're like, yeah, they got like a lounge a lizard sticker. wearer, maybe bumper <laughs> scales. A beer cozy. A beer cozy. There you go. Beer cozy. Um, I gave away a beer koozie at a tailgate the other day and I got it back. What? Like days later, I re no, I days later, no, gave away like, Hey, I got some extra in my cooler. Do you need one? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And usually you just don't see those ever again. Right. Mm -hmm. I actually got it back a few days later from the friend. They, they made a point to return it to me. Isn't that nice? The world, see the world's not burning down. I've never used one in my life. Like I gotta be honest with you, if the beer's in my hand, it's not gonna last long enough to get warm. Like I don't understand the purpose. That's wild that you have not used one in in Florida. That's crazy. Florida changes, a changes long, the whole. What do you just? A long is it just career like, of heavy drinking too. I, I don't understand. I, this is just bizarre. David, David's just shotgunning beers. It's, it's no, I just I, you know it's okay. I, you you use them regularly? I mean, semi regularly. Yeah, I would say. No I'm not, pool not, parties. Yeah, if I'm outdoors and I have a koozie, I will use it. I will use it. Absolutely. They're in the cooler, you know, for, for situations. Oh, yeah. It's I've situational never, I've never koozie. Seen one. I've never seen one like that either. Like, like that, that just keep them in a cooler? Interesting. I just I just keep mine in my cooler. Okay. I oh, hey, hey, man, you, you do you. It's all right. It's good. Just being prepared, it's, uh... man. Like a Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah. I'm prepared to drink, dude. I don't need the koozie. <laughs> the mo- it is the most Boy Scouting I've ever done. Um. Bam Adebayo has the fifth best odds to win. That could have been reworded very differently there. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, His odds are behind Jaron Jackson Jr., who won it last year. Evan Mobley, Giannis, Anthony Davis. Uh, He is one spot. I found this interesting. I don't find it debatable, but I find it interesting. He's one spot. Oh, I guess it is debatable. He's one spot ahead of Victor Webanyama, which is a lot. Uh, I think that's a lot of maybe trying to play the public money on the big Victor Webinyama hype going on. I would be very surprised, but you know, whatever. He's he seems awesome, also. But to win rookie of the uh, to win defensive player of the year as a rookie would be pretty crazy. Um, I think anyway. it says a lot about what voters are looking for, and the fact that this guy's seven foot eight or whatever. Yeah, blocks exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. And the fact that he is going to be able to alter shots at the rim. That's a good point. I, I think I think the he chances of the him in blocks. Yeah, but Jakob Pertl's done it, and it doesn't really matter. Like, he's not a defensive player of the year, right? Like, getting blocks, Walker Kessler, to your point last year, your guy, Walker, um, you know, I, I think he's going to get a lot of blocks, and he's a fair he defender. Got some D- he got some DPOI buzz he did. He uh, did. from the Midwest last year. So I think it's 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 possible. Um, I mean, David Locke leading the charge. I mean, I can't see why they wouldn't vote for Walker right. Kessler. It's a loud voice time. on his side. <laughs> a very, very loud voice. Um, I just... I'm so sick of this conversation. They're like, Bam's the best defender in the NBA, and it isn't even close, I think. And it's just like the fact that he doesn't rack up those weird statistics that don't necessarily mean much. Like, you can block a shot and still wind up giving a basket a second later. And they don't take shots against Bam to buy. I made this point before. Like, they just they see this wall, this versatile defender who can move his feet as quick as a guard, moves so well, is strong enough to bar- body up the biggest and strongest players with the exception of Nikola Jokic. And and somehow he doesn't get the respect, nor will he ever. Like, he's he's missed that boat already. He will never win Defensive Player of the Year, and he's deserved it at least twice, if not a third year. I won't go so far as to say he'll never win it. I, I think there is something to be said about he's been in the race the last – 
two or three years now um, had got had gotten a lot of votes the last two years, like a lot of first place votes by a lot of smart media people and and, and voters. Last year, he got quite a few first place votes. I mean, not as many as he got two years ago, but he did. And then um, and then he was he, out of the he, top three. Yeah, but he got I'm just saying he got some first place votes like that matters. And uh, and then he some was on, he was in the NBA finals guarding. Nikola Jokic and some people are saying like he did the best like it was hard it was hard work but people saw him working hard on a national stage and you couldn't really escape what seeing how hard it is that he worked because your eyes were also drawn to Nikola Jokic the entire series right and Bam was often the guy on, on in front of him so um I I do think that public opinion is shifting more towards like pro Bam Adebayo uh okay. I don't think it's going away from him the last time and, and and by the way, I think when you look at where who he's stat, well, let me just ask you: Who would you have him in terms of you if you were making the odds? Who would you have him higher than? Or I guess James Jared Jackson Jr. Like I, you I, have I love number, you should have Bam number one. I, well, I think he's the best defender in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I, I and I think he's going to consistently do. No, I think he's going to continue to do what he's done consistently over the course of his career and as a starter. Like we're looking at him over now entering into his fourth season of being the best, most versatile defender. And I think that can't be discounted. Like Draymond continues to get votes and most of those are yes. legacy votes, but he's also gotten, uh, you know, he's also gotten the hardware. He's gotten the respect. And and I think it, the problem is that we saw Draymond on that big stage, be that best defender of a of, of, of dynastic team. Yeah. And, and while Bam has been the best defender on a team that has been to the NBA finals twice in four seasons, it hasn't been enough. They don't kind of get that, that credit that comes with being either a dynasty yeah. nor a championship and winner. So. Draymond, Draymond, although he is not a exciting player. And I, I really don't even mean that in any sort of derogatory term. Like he is no. so solid and so smart and he is such a joy Doesn't to happen. watch, yeah, exactly. but I don't yeah. think he's, ex- I wouldn't qualify his version of playing basketball exciting. But he is on maybe the most exciting team we've seen in a decade. Yeah. And so I think that helps him, right? It's sort of just like Buzz. exciting by, by osmosis there, where Bam is not an exciting player on a decidingly not exciting team, right? Like Nobody's it is watching not, that for 82 games. Right. You know? And so it, it it that part hurts Bam's case. I am a little surprised they have Jaron Jackson with the best odds. And that I, I don't even mean to take anything away from Jaron Jackson. as a He's an awesome defender. No doubt about it. I don't think he's as good as Bam, but he is awesome. Uh, but the odds, like the odds of winning back to back DPO wise, like these are the guys who have won back to back defensive player of the year: Rudy Gobert, twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. One of the best defensive centers we've ever seen when he was at his peak. He was just absolutely unstoppable. Kawhi in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. That was like peak octopus Kawhi Leonard, just craziness. And then before that, David, it was Dwight Howard. At the, mm. at in 2010, 2000, actually, he won three times in a row, 09, 10, and 11. That's top-tier, Hall of Fame, God-level defenders that I just named. Dwight Howard at his peak, Kawhi at his defensive prime, and then Rudy Gobert at his peak. That Those are all-timers. Jared but, Jackson is awesome. He's not that, right? He's not that as a defender. So the fact that he's number one, I would be shorting that. I just don't think that he's he's – two in a row, two-time Defensive Player of the Year caliber defender. And I think public opinion has shifted against Memphis, where I thought it was very much in favor of Memphis for most of the last few years. The Evan Mobley thing being over Bam is pretty crazy because if you're going to compare a young defender, like who could be the next Bam, I think the first guy you would look at is Evan Mobley. 
And the fact that he's got better odds than Bam is kind of disrespectful. Giannis and AD, I'm not really going to quibble with. They're huge superstar names. You're going to get public money to bet on them. But Evan Mobley being over Bam, that to me is the only one that I would be like, that's kind of that's kind of nuts. I'm surprised Dick Claxton did get some consideration. Um, as far as Jaron Jackson Jr. is concerned, like I, I think I think it happens a lot more often in that sense. Like, like you, you were just talking about this in terms of the power rankings on ESPN. Denver gets the nod because we're the champions and they're, they're you know prove until proven otherwise they're the best team in the nba regardless of their offseason or how likely it is that they'll be able to duplicate and i think it just kind of shows the the narrative aspect of these awards is that well he was the best defender last year right and and it's different than marcus smart the previous year because that felt like it was just a culmination of a very loud boston-based media presence Saying Marcus is the best defender on a really good team, etc. He's been do, he's been the best defender in that really good team for a number of years. He should get his due. He should get his right. due. And enough people kind of were like, "Fine, whatever." It kind of feels similar to like Joel Embiid winning MVP. We're like, "We're so sick of you whining about this damn award. We're going to give it to you just so you shut the hell up and never have to bring it." Oh, up. that could help Am's case next year then, because he has been publicly lobbying. Why am I not defensive player? Not really. Why haven't I won it? Not, really. not really. Not really. Every chance he has. Not really. Been. No, he does not. That is so. That is ridiculous, man. Like seriously, like he's he's been asked. He's like, "Oh, what do you think about the awards?" Like, yeah, I'm not even going to say anything about it. Like, I don't think he really talks about it. Like, he knows that he's not going to get the consideration. Yeah, I think he uses that as motivation, and that's fine. Whatever, he, whatever it takes for him to be as good as he is as a defender. But I do not see. He's him not. He's not at Joel Embiid levels of that's of the that's Hall of Fame level. That's right. That's up there. I mean, I, but Bam has been vocal about the fact that he has not won Defensive Player of the Year, and that he thinks and he, he should, should be. Have, he's deserving. And, I'm just saying it could help. It could help. It could help. I, I have no problem with the, your, hey, man, it's your career. Take it in your own hands. If you want it, lobby for it. Complain about it all you want. It worked. Like you could tell Joel Embiid that it, it was annoying, but he has an MVP. It worked. It worked. I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for I wish it. They, I wish the Heat would promote it a little bit more. But I, don't know. Uh, I agree with you on that. I think they could do a better job on that. Um, thanks for making Locked on Heat your first. By the way, sorry, before I wrap it up here. If they get Damian Lillard, that is going to help Bam win defensive. That's a great team. point. You know what I mean? That, yeah, it's there sort will of back be a to the Draymond Green point. Yes. If you get yes. an exciting player like Dame in Miami and people are going to want to watch that, all of a sudden you start seeing Bam defending in space a little bit more as a casual yes. viewer, as a casual observer. The Heat are right. one of the top three seeds in the Eastern Conference, and you start handing them awards. That will help. That will help. Yep, I agree. I think the difference between that and like the last time – people were really plugged into watching Miami during the big three era was it was just the view of that team being so much better. And while LeBron might've been the best individual defender, Chris was a great defender. Dwayne was a great defender. They had numerous shape Battier. They had numerous great defenders across the board. And it was just like, Oh, LeBron happens to be the best defender. I mean, different in the sense that that there was no weak spot defensively the way there is on golden State's dynastic team. But uh, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a really good point. You're watching Dame Lillard, especially because he is so poor defensively. If Bam's able to bring his game to that next level, that'd be incredible for his uh, chances. Good point. Just like with Steph and Draymond, it's like, all right, Steph's the offensive fulcrum. Draymond carries everything defensively. It could be the same for Dame and Bam. Uh, Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. David, thanks for joining me in the Lizard Lounge. (laughs) Get us to 10,000 subscribers. We're looking forward to that. Reaching that next milestone. Yep.